Powerful song, amen? amen? Powerful testimony. When I came to Hawaii, I went to work in Puna Church, Puna Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I remember the first time I shared the Word of God there, I shared my personal testimony. And then I came to work in Honoka side two months ago, and I never really shared my personal testimony. So instead of starting with my personal testimony, I would like to close my ministry here in this church sharing my personal testimony. I'll be leaving in July 18. That is not my last Sabbath over here, but it's probably the last time I will preach here in this church. So I hope you don't mind um, if I share my personal testimony. Amen? Amen? So let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray one more time that you pour your spirit upon me and upon the congregation that we may hear your voice and see your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I tell my personal testimony, some people tell me it is hard to imagine. So as I tell you, I don't want you to imagine anything. I just want you to see the power of God unto salvation. Amen? I want to begin by saying that I was born and raised in Brazil. I came to Canada, I was 19, about 19 years old, and I grew up in Amazon area. Probably some of you heard about the Amazon in Brazil. And the Amazon is not like most people think it is. Yes, it is a big jungle, but inside those jungles there are cities. You know, like 400,000 people, 1 million people. So there are some big cities. So I grew up in one of those cities called Porto Velho. And I didn't grow up in a religious home. My parents, they were uh, Catholics, but they didn't go to church. They just nominal because of the culture of Brazil is the largest uh, Catholic country in the world. So I was baptized in the Catholic church, but we didn't have a religious background. And I remember when I was a child, I had a, you know, a temper problem. Some of you have temper problem here. I get irritated really quick. And I didn't get along with my mother because of that. And I was really small. In school, all the children, they were afraid of me. Because if they irritate me, I beat them up. I know you look at me as you're not afraid of me. I know that. I know that. I know you're not afraid of me. Some of you are bigger than me. And then, when I was 15, and my parents, they got divorced. Not divorced, but they separate. And at that point in my life, for me, it was a good thing. Today, looking back, I don't think it was good. But at that point, I was released because they were fighting and arguing a lot. So when my parents divorced, they separated. There was no doubt that I was going to stay with my father. And my brother and my sister, they were going to stay with my mother because I got along with my father really well. And then around that time, my father looked at me and says, I have two jobs. He had a, a bookstore in the city, and then he had a restaurant in the countryside. and said, I don't have time to watch you anymore. I don't have time to see who are your friends, uh, see how you're doing in school. So 
I'll give you food, I give you place to stay, I give you everything. I, you know, I just want you to study and choose your friends wisely. But I didn't choose my friends wisely and I didn't like school too. And some of you look at me like with my glasses, think I like studying. Now I like studying, but before I didn't like studying. And so I started making wrong choices in my life and unfortunately, I started using drugs and things like this. And before I, I, I go into that, I want to say that I'm ashamed of my past, but I'm not ashamed of what Christ has done in my life. And I want to say that as I tell my personal testimony, the things that I've done in the past, there is no joy that comes into my heart at all. There was a point when I first came to Christ that uh, sometimes... I would say, I'm glad that I went through that so I can appreciate more the truth, but I actually, at this point of my life, I'm not glad that I went through that. But let me tell you to emphasize the power of God into salvation. So I made wrong choices in my life. I started using drugs, and I started using alcohol and marijuana. And many people say marijuana is not really addictive. But let me tell you something. I started using like just once. I just want to try once just to see how it is. And then, I wasn't afraid anymore. I started using once a week. And then I started using once every day. And then several times every day. And then it came to a point that Maria Juana wasn't strong enough. I need something stronger. So I decided to try cocaine just one time, just to see how it is. And then I lost the fear of cocaine. And then, when I saw myself, I was using anything that could make me high. As long as I was high, I was content at that point of my life. And of course, uh, I, I used to play in a punk rock band as well. Um, I had my long hair and, and earrings everywhere and metal balls around my neck and monkey teeth around my arm. You know, walking that way in a very interesting style. I remember when I walk in the streets, people look back. And probably think something like this, pray for his mother, no. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> and when you are in a punk rock band, you have to understand that you don't just play in a punk rock band. All the culture follows you. All those, you know, the skateboard and, and the music, the punk rock and the rock and roll metal and, and, and the drugs and all of those things, relationships. So I was involved in their life because for me, I had to enjoy life right now because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So that was the point of my life, the driving motivation of my life at that point. And I remember one time, Marcio, he, he's a friend of mine, he used to play in the band. He was the guitar player and the vocal of the band. He sent somebody to tell me that he was not going to play anymore. I was waiting for him in a concert for him to come so we could present. And somebody said, Marcio is not coming today. And then I asked, why not? Because he became a Christian. So when I heard these words, I was very angry. He could have told me that he's not coming because he needs a break, because he's tired, he wants to sleep, he just doesn't want to play today. That was fine for me. But when he said that he was not going to come because he became a Christian, 
I couldn't understand. We used to have songs that blasphemy against God and compose songs. And I knew if he had become a Christian, it was the end of the band. And that band was also everything for me. I didn't want to study. I want to be a punk rock, uh, punk rock star. That's what I want to do in my life. So I went back home. Three months later, I opened the door, and it was Marcio with his Bible in his hand. Amen? At that point, I wasn't angry at him anymore. Three months later, the first thing I noticed about Marcio was the countenance of his face. Marcio, you could see that he was, you know, almost possessed. And sometimes when we were talking and and smoking and things like this, I would tell him, Marcio, it seems that I see a demon in you. I'll tell him like that. And then one time he looked at me with a strange look and a strange voice. He said, you recognize me, Giancarlo, don't you? And then he starts speaking to me, and I said, hey, stop, stop doing that. But when I saw Marcel coming to my door that way, I said, wow, he's really changing. So Marcel, you'd like to come in? Sure. And then he shared about his faith, and I didn't really care at that point. And... And then I invite him to have lunch. Would like to eat something? And he said, sure. And then he prayed for his food. Now, you expect to see Christians praying for their food, right? But when I saw Marcel praying for the food, it was very impressive for me. I knew he was serious about it. I knew him very much. And to see him praying for the food, it was serious what he believed. After lunch... He starts sharing about the Bible, about the great controversy between good and evil and the second coming of Jesus, all those things. And then I ask questions after questions. At the beginning, I didn't really care about what he was saying. I just asked questions to give him a hard time. And then he would open the Bible and answer me with a Bible verse. Read over here. And then I read. And there it was the answer for my question. And then I ask another question. And then he opened the Bible and says, read over here. And there was the answer. And now the Holy Spirit started working in my heart. I start noticing that I wasn't talking to Marcy. I was talking with the Bible. And I start to feel the power of this book. And after five hours going back and forth, asking questions, and he answered from the Bible he finally made an appeal. Do you believe in God? I knew God could read my thoughts at that moment because of the word of God. I said, I thought, I thought for a little bit to make sure I believed. I said, I believe, but I'm not going to follow. Why not? Because I don't have the strength to follow God. I know I'm going to go back to my life. You don't need the strength to follow God. You need to believe Him. And He will give you the strength. Do you believe? I stopped. And then I said, I believe. But I want to be honest. I'm not going to follow. 
remember this, he told me. Whenever you need Jesus, pray to him. I said, okay. He left. I left that night. I had peace in my heart. I couldn't explain why. I didn't think it had anything to do with the conversation I had with Martyr. And Satan wasn't very happy. And then he sent some people to tempt me. They said, Giancarlo, we have money to use drugs. If you buy for us because you know where to buy, you can use with us the whole night. So I went to do that. And all that peace left my heart. I didn't even notice. As I was going to do that, that peace left me. And I went back to my life, but I could see that God somehow was searching for me. Sometimes I would see myself in the street with street people, and I'll say, I know there is something better. God, if you are out there, help me. And then I go back to my life. One time, I was with my ex-girlfriend, and she was telling me things that she had done in life that she couldn't tell anyone. We were talking about those things. And then when she told me what she had done, she started crying. And then I told her what I had done in my life that I couldn't tell anyone. And then somebody at that very moment came with a flyer and gave it to me. And then I read the flyer. Immediately I had told her what I had done. And the flyer said, no matter what you have done in your life, God can forgive you. I looked back to see that man, and he was gone. And then some of my friends came to me one day and said, we are going to a satanic worship. Would you like to come with us? I said, yes. I heard about it. I want to see how it is. Not that I believed that. I just was, you know, I wanted to see how it was. So I went to that satanic worship. When I arrived there, there were people. No, before I arrived, the man, when he opened the door, um, he said, first of all, you cannot use drugs inside here. Okay, you cannot leave this place before midnight. You can leave after, but not before. Okay, no problem. And some other regulations that I didn't know. So we went inside, and at that, that day, I, I wasn't high. I didn't, I didn't use drugs at that point. And so I was there in this satanic worship. I saw people dancing like native people around and around. And I saw people showing up playing in the fire, kind of burning their arms, but they could not feel. And music, strange music playing, and all that scene. And then one man approached me, and he had like some new age thinking. I thought he was very intelligent. I want to talk to him, but he refused to talk to me. He'd say his ideas and leave all the time. And I believe he made a mistake. To make the long story short, he told me, do you see these two cats fighting? And there were, there were two cats fighting. I said, yes. They are brothers. And they are fighting. When he said that, something like the Holy Spirit just started bringing back Bible verses 
in my mind that Marcel had shared with me one month ago from that point. They are brothers, but they are fighting. It reminds me of the great controversy between good and evil, how everything is starting in heaven. They were brothers, but now they were fighting. And then I start to look to my own life, how I could not trust my own friends. Believe me, they were my friends, but if I leave my wallet here and go somewhere else, it was gone. Today we were friends together using drugs, but if tomorrow you don't have it and somebody else has, we are kind of excluding you. And I start to analyze that my life was wrong. I was going through uh, the wrong path. And then I looked to the roof. I noticed that there were two shades in the roof. Shadows or shades, how do you say? In the form of men, two men. Shade? Shadow? Okay. So I was there thinking about this. Martha was right. My, long, my life is in a wrong direction. I have to change. And I, I looked to the roof and noticed two shadows on top of the roof in the shape of two men. And I start looking and looking for seven to ten minutes, changing position to see, is it, there are two men there, or it's just like the trees, was dark, was nighttime. And because I stared so long, one of the shadows stood up, came to the front of the roof, to the edge of the roof. And when they came to the edge, the fire that was on the ground kind of lightened that shadow. And I was able to see that it wasn't a man. It was a demon. And I felt so afraid when I saw that shadow. And then I looked to the second floor of the house. We were in the backyard. And the windows start to open slowly. And demons start coming out of the windows towards my direction. And at that point, the words of Marcel came to my mind. When you need Jesus, pray to him. I said, Jesus, I don't know who you are, but I need your help. Please help me. And as I started praying, these demons could not get closer to me. They were just as close like to, to that uh, keyboard. And I start praying and praying. A friend of mine looked at me and says, I've never seen you like that. I didn't tell him anything. I know he was not going to understand. I saw the people that were dancing like native people. The demons were dancing with them. People that were burning on the fire, there were demons manipulating them. I saw that scene for two hours. And I could see that the place was being controlled by demons. I continued to pray and pray. Finally, one of them came to me and said, do you want to leave this place? I said, yes, I want to leave. And he said, but it's not midnight yet. I said, okay, that's no problem. And then he left. Fifteen minutes, they were talking among themselves, the leaders, looking at me. I could tell that they were talking about me. So he came back and said, do you want to leave? I said, yes, I want to leave. 
okay, take your things and leave. I said, I want to take my friends with me. Okay, take your friends and leave this place. And as I was leaving, he said, you are a brave soldier. And then I left. Today, looking back, I know why he said I was a brave soldier, because he knew what was happening over there. And because of God, I was not controlled as the others were being controlled at that point. So my friends came out with me. They were talking and talking and talking. I was quiet. I just knew that Marcy was right, the Bible was truth, and God was searching for me, and he had helped me inside that place. That night I was going to sleep on the streets. I decided to go back home. So I went back home. And there at home there was a Bible that used to hold the door for the wind not to shut the door. I took that Bible and I didn't know how to look it up in the Bible. So I opened and it was Exodus 20. And it says, I am the Lord your God that deliver you from the house of bondage. I mean, today if you tell me what is the house of bondage, we can come with some theological debates on that. <laughs> but at that point, I didn't know the Bible, but yet I was able to discern that my bondage was my sins. It was my lifestyle. It was my friends. And he gave him the power to overcome that. And he knew that I couldn't stay in that place anymore because of all my friends and, and you know, because of the band also. Like people were constantly inviting to go to places. And so the Lord took me to Canada. After two weeks, that happened. No, I must, I must uh, go back a little bit. I prayed, Lord... I don't know what to do next. What do I do next? Please send Marcio back to my house. I didn't know where he lived. He didn't have a house, in fact. So he came back to my house that same week. And then I told him all, you know, my testimony. And he said, I want to take you to the church to have Bible study. And when I went to the church... It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. So I started having Bible studies, but I couldn't finish. Two weeks later, I went to Canada. My mother invited me to go to Canada to learn English. Uh, because I couldn't speak English, I was 18, 19 at that time. So I, I went to Canada just for six months. But I really enjoyed Canada at that point. I looked for the church over there. I started... Uh, continued the Bible study, I finished the Bible study and got baptized there in Toronto. And I stayed in Canada for four years. After that, the Lord just impressed me to go to the ministry, to be trained, to go to the ministry. So I went to Virginia, where I got my training. And to do my internship, the Lord brought me to Hawaii. That's how I ended up in Hawaii. So it, it has been almost nine years. I remember it was... When I was having that Bible study with Marcio, you know, when he first came to my house with the Bible, it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was 
9-11-2001. If it was not that day, it was the day before, and that made an impression in my heart and also kind of helped me to be convicted. But it was one month later that I had that experience in that satanic worship where Jesus helped me. Then I continued to have the Bible studies, and finally I came here um, to be training here to Hawaii. And people like to say that Jesus made a great miracle in my life that day, in that place, in that satanic worship. And I agree, he did. But there is a greater miracle that he has done in my life. And I want to share with you. In Luke, if you turn your Bibles there with me. Luke chapter 23. And as you are turning there to Luke chapter 23, I want to say that the Lord restored my relationship with my mother. Amen. Yes, um, we, are, we are very close friends now, and I just praise God for that. That was one of, the, one of the miracles He has done since I became a Christian to restore my relationship with my mother. So Luke 23, and beginning in verse 33. When you're there, please say amen. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive Giancarlo, for he know not, he know not what he does. That was the greatest miracle that Jesus has done in my life. When he looked at me in sin, he knew that I, I didn't know what I was doing. And he died for me when I was in the streets using drugs. He didn't die for me when I, today when I'm standing with my nice tie and nice shoes. He died for me when I was in sin. And that was the greatest miracle that God has done in my life and for all of you. He's ministering to you before the Father saying, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 7. In whom Jesus Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Because of his death on the cross, he's able to forgive us. He bought the right to forgive us. The Bible says that the wage of sin is what? Death. What kind of death? The second death, right? Jesus Christ, he, on the cross of Calvary, he did not die the first death that probably most of the people in the world experience. 
except those that will see Jesus coming back. Amen? But he took upon himself the wage of sin. I just want to imagine, have you ever felt guilt in your life? Anyone here have ever felt guilt? Yes? I want you to imagine your guilt, the guilt of your neighbor, my guilt, all combined, the guilt of the whole world, the guilt of those from the days of Adam all the way to our days, all combined in the head of Jesus. What killed Jesus was not the nails that pierced his hands. What killed Jesus was not the crown of thorns. What killed Jesus was not when the soldier pierced him because he was already dead. We are told that Jesus died of a broken And even doctors can testify that when a person is under such a mental distress that the heart literally breaks and the red cells separate from the plasma. That's why it became water and blood from the side of Jesus when the soldier pursed him. He died because he carried the sins of the world upon himself. That's what killed Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But we know that he's risen again and he's sitting in the right hand of God so he can forgive all those that come to him. Amen? Amen. It says very clear. One more time, Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his what? Blood, referring to his death. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his, what is the next word there? Grace. We are saved by grace, amen? What is this grace? The forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ on the cross. I want you to turn with me to Titus. The book of Titus, chapter 2. After Colossians. After first and second Timothy, Titus chapter two, before the uh, the book of Hebrews and Philemon. Titus chapter two, and I'm going to start in verse eleven, talking about the grace of Jesus, because for by grace we are saved. Amen. Amen. It is says there, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to how many men? All men. Continuing, talking about the grace of God, teaching us that denying godliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 13. Continue to describe the grace of God, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, the second coming. Verse 14 who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So it's very clear that Jesus Christ is offering us forgiveness of sin. But as a merciful Father, 
he also teaches to depart from sin. Amen? I praise God that I'm no longer there in that life. However, his teaching continues every day. Can you say amen? He's still uh, redeeming us. He's still saving us from sin by his grace. And at this point, I would like to encourage someone inside this sanctuary. If you are living in sin, I want you to know that that's when Christ died for you. If you are from, uh, far from him, I want you to know that's when he died for you. And he's willing to forgive you no matter what you have done in your life. And he's willing to help you and to teach you to live a righteous life. Can you say amen? amen. You know who you are. Perhaps you chose to leave the church. Perhaps you're still in the church and you need help from Jesus. Perhaps you're coming to the church. I want to appeal to you to experience the grace of Jesus. Amen? As I look back, and I'm sure that you can testify, you can say the same. When I look back, I don't miss the world. I don't regret not even this to accept the grace of Jesus I want to close with Isaiah chapter 41 turn there with me really quick Isaiah chapter 41 remember when I told you that I grew up in Amazon in a city there remember that let me tell you about Amazon the people in the cities in Brazil, like Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro, they look down to people that come from Amazon, like me. Because the education in, there in Amazon is not as high in, as in Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and Curitiba, and other cities in Brazil. So they look down for us because we are kind of laid back, and, and we are not like a business mind like them. You know what I mean? In other words, can anything good come from Amazon? <laughs> Remember what people said about Jesus? Can anything good come from Nazareth, right? Isaiah 41, and we will read verse 9. And one time, the Lord was taking me to, place, to preach in different places. And I said to myself, why these people have to listen to me? After all, I'm from Amazon. <laughs> and I don't have education. And I come from the street. Lord, why did you choose me? Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9. Thou, you, whom I have taken from where? The ends of the earth, or the Amazon. And called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. 
Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Jesus Christ is calling you to be his servant. No matter how far you are, if you are in the ends of the earth, he can reach you there, and his grace will uphold you, will strengthen you, and he will help you. Amen? God bless you.